and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast that's classy. But not that classy. I'm Emily. And I'm Ryan. (laughs) Hi. Hello, everybody. We're sorry. We apologize. If you haven't guessed from the title, today we are going to be covering classical music composers in a little bit different way than you might be used to hearing about them. We are going to tell you a little bit about who they are, what they're famous for. For the most part, we're really going to focus on why they were so weird, because they were. Yeah, it really just goes back and shows you that boys and bands have always been crazy. Yeah, they've been... They've been some weirdos, um, uh, especially classical composers. Oh, yeah. For some reason. So, a warning. There are no dead bodies in this episode. Well, I mean, they all die not, not entirely, actually, but we'll get to that. There is going to be some vulgar language. Extremely vulgar language, which is shocking to say about composers. It's, it's pretty bad. It's dirty. It's really dirty. And it's not even me, you know? I mean, I will be saying it, but it's not my words. I'm quoting. So, be prepared. Let's get started. All right. You want to talk about Beethoven? I do. Or Ludwig van Beethoven. I guess von Beethoven. Or von Beethoven. Yep, Beethoven. Ludwig van Beethoven was born in 1770 and died in 1827 at the age of 56. He lived not crazy long, but he definitely wasn't the, you know, shortest lifespan of all the composers we talk about today. He was a German composer. He learned music at a really young age, which seems to be a running theme with a lot of our composers, which I guess is to be expected considering a lot of them were prodigies in some way. He was taught by his father, Johann von Beethoven, and also by Christian Gottlob Neef, which I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of, but I am not German, and I'm not good at pronouncing German. If you are German, you know, feel free to correct us. Love it. Please. My favorite fact about Beethoven is that he was very often described as ugly, creepy, and crazy. He was super short, only five foot three, though some accounts about that vary, and apparently he had really awful skin. I think I might have dated him in college. (laughs) He moved to Vienna and began to study with Haydn at the age of 21, who we actually will talk about a little bit later. So if you're really into Haydn, stick around. He was deaf the entire last decade of his life, uh, even though most of his beloved work was done during the last 15 years of his life. So he actually did a lot of his most famous work deaf, which is very impressive for a classical composer. And Um, really hard. Yeah, I would say. I guess it's better than being deaf the first 10? Well, maybe not. I don't know if you could technically learn to be a composer if you were deaf. Deaf. If you were deaf for the first part of your life. Yeah, I feel like you wouldn't have all the necessary, like, you know. Unless you got your hearing back and was like, this is awful. Yeah. But even then, I feel like you develop a lot of that, like, in early childhood. I feel like if you were to get hearing later, you'd have a really hard time even getting the skills needed to play music, let alone compose. Yeah. He's grand yeah. symphonies. Um, it's like in that Chris Pine movie where he was blind for the first part of his life and then he got vision and then everything went to sh**. We talk about Chris Pine a lot. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> if anyone uh, doesn't understand, um, anyone who knows Emily uh, knows that she is a bizarrely intense Chris Pine fan. Uh, just Chris is in general, Ryan. Chris is in general. That is true. Chris. It's a little bit of a Chris. Chris Evans, Pratt. And um, I'm also really into Matt's. Yeah. It's also our boss's name, so I don't like the way Not that Matt, but, you know, (laughs) 
Maths in general. We digress. <laughs> so any conspiracy theorists we have out there, I'm sure you're going to love this one, but Ludwig van Beethoven was actually really interested in the Freemasonry groups and actually joined the Order of the Illuminati. I am not making this up. I honestly didn't think that was real for a while. Yeah, I think it's because people went a little, I guess, nuts about it. Thanks, internet. Yeah, but he actually was part of the Illuminati, so conspiracy theorists, you know, have fun with that one. We want to hear what your what your big conspiracy theories are regarding I it. Like, don't. I don't understand it. Episode, we're going to do an episode on the Illuminati one day. Oh, God. He tried to study under Mozart, but there is no verifiable record of whether or not he ever actually got any help from Mozart. However, after Mozart died, Beethoven was being seen as Mozart's successor, and he took that role really seriously and studied the deceased man's work very closely after that point. Wait, how old was he in comparison to Mozart? Um, Mozart was let's see mozart was born in 1756 and died in 1791 but beethoven was born in 1770 so he was like 20 years older than mozart but mozart was you know child genius from the age of like eight yeah or younger even so but he tried to get help from mozart but i don't think um there are a few people that say that mozart actually did work with him a little bit but no like good reputable sources those are hard to come by when you're dealing with that far in the past. So, like I said, Beethoven said his hearing loss, uh, or Beethoven said he was deaf. His hearing loss is an interesting topic because there are two stories. One is what probably happened, although even that is debated. Realistically, he probably, it was a complication of childhood typhus or lupus, or even a result of repeated frequent cold baths to his head to keep him awake. He used to dunk his head in cold water before all of his performances, and they think that might have actually had an impact on his hearing. During autopsy, it was revealed that he had a distended inner ear with multiple lesions, so there definitely was something Hello swimmer's ear. Yeah, basically. However, if you were to ask Mozart, not Mozart, Beethoven, if you were to ask him how he lost his hearing... He said that in a fit of rage while he was throwing things around, he fell over and stood back up deaf. So, two stories. I don't know why you would argue that that is how you lost your hearing as opposed to just like, what's I don't know what happened. Yeah, like why, why do you want people to believe that? Is it like I was so mad I punched a wall? Yeah, I think it's I'm probably- I'm so mad I went deaf. Again, boy things, things boys do. Boys are dumb. Yeah. He used all sorts of interesting hearing devices, such as an ear horn, which can actually still be seen on display at the Beethoven House Museum in Bonn, Germany. Um, And throughout his life, he suffered from a lot of illnesses, not even just typhus and lupus, like I said, but he was actually a very sick man most of the time. Weren't people sick just constantly all the time back in that day, like, because no one believed in hygiene or... Pretty much. We talked about this. But it's intense. This list is like, he should have died long before he did actually die. This man, this is like one of the unkillable men. Um, Throughout his life, he suffered from deafness, colitis, rheumatism, rheumatic fever, typhus, skin disorders, abscesses, a variety of infections, ophthalmalia, inflammatory degeneration of the arteries, jaundice, chronic hepatitis, and cirrhosis of the liver, which is probably what killed him. And a partridge in a pear tree. 
<laughs> um, so he most likely died uh, from cirrhosis of the liver, but that was caused by his intense alcoholism. So, oh, that way to bury the lead. Yeah, yeah. So, alcoholic. That's probably what did it. But the fact he survived all that stuff while being an alco- you know, alcoholic, was you know. well, he was you know, flushing his system out, killing all the germs with the ice baths. And the alcohol. And the alcohol. He was yeah. disinfecting his insides. Or maybe the Illuminati, you know, put a spell on him and he could no longer die. I don't, I don't really know what the Illuminati does. All right, so that's Ludwig van Beethoven for you. Interesting dude. Let's switch gears. Talk about Tchaikovsky. Uh, Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky, Russian composer from the mid to late 1800s. I do not have exact dates because I did not research that deep like you did. I did. I, I had the dates. I just... Didn't feel like putting them. Nope. He's the guy that wrote Swan Lake. Personal favorite of mine. uh, Also the Nutcracker. Mm -hmm. And he was the first Russian composer to really make a lasting impression on classical music. Germany and Austria pretty much had a monopoly on that market prior to that. I think most of the people that we talk about are German or Austrian. Yeah, for the most part. Even so, like even as a freelance composer, he was still bankrolled by a rich widow named... Nadezda von Meck. Um, she got her money from railroads and her husband died. And she basically spent all her money uh, paying for Tchaikovsky's for about 13 years. Wow. Yeah, they were really good friends. Lucky dude. I would not see that quite yet. <laughs> to start with the, the weird thing about him that usually gets brought up, he used to attend the Russian ballet with another composer, the French composer Camille Saint-Saëns. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I honestly don't know. I would guess it was Saëns. They would attend the ballet in Russia together and stand in the back and imitate the ballerinas, which, honestly, I think more dudes need to do on, like, row dates. Yeah, seriously. I would pay to go to the ballet way more if I knew there were going to be dudes in the back imitating the ballerinas. Yeah, I mean, there are dude ballerinas, like, good for them, but I want just some guy in cargo shorts and... Yeah. And Nikes in the back, like Trying doing to plies. Do yeah. Yes. Yeah. Please. <sighs> if you do that, please let us know. I want videos. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of talk also about Tchaikovsky possibly being gay, which we briefly discussed in the infamous Rasputin episode. Was not a good thing to be in Russia around that time period. No, not so it's actually much. not a good thing to be in Russia in the now. Yeah. Not not so much. Not as bad as it was back then. Though. Yeah. But there were a lot of rumors, and they were kind of heavily supported by the fact that he only lived with his wife for about two and a half months before he moved out. Well, he also was obsessed with the ballet. That's generally, you know, not saying that all males that like ballet are gay, but I'm saying that, you know, first warning. Okay. Yeah. Not to stereotype, but... A little. um, She was actually a younger student of his, so... (sighs) He... He said that he didn't blame her for their marriage falling apart, but he proceeded to call her the reptile in a lot of his like letters oh. to people in his journals, <laughs> which is, yeah, that's kind of something that you call someone that you do blame for things. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, he, Tchaikovsky, died of cholera, um, which was pretty standard. But there are a lot of people who think that he committed suicide, but that he still died of cholera. Suicide via cholera? Yes. It is the stupidest way to commit suicide. 
because you have to find cholera-infested water. You have to drink the cholera-infested water. You have to get the cholera, have the cholera, and die, die of it. And if I'm not mistaken, cholera is a intestinal situation. It's not a fun one. No, that's not, you know, it's not like a quiet... Basically... You poop till you die. Thank you for saying it, because I couldn't. <laughs> I was trying really hard. <laughs> it's it's along the lines of dysentery. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's similar. That's super lame theory. Yeah. I'm sorry if you believe that Tchaikovsky killed himself, but really cholera. Maybe they were trying to romanticize him a little bit with the whole like suicide thing. I don't know why people. There's think no that's romanticizing so romantic. yourself to death. No, there's not, but. Best explanation I have for that theory. <laughs> All right, moving along, we are gonna shift over to Johann Sebastian Bach. Johann? I don't know. I don't. I'm not doing an accent here. Johann. Johann Sebastian Bach. There we go. You think that was right? Yep. All right. Johann Sebastian Bach was born in. 1685 and he died in 1750 so he was 65 so he lived a little bit longer than beethoven but not by a lot he was a german composer and musician of the baroque period he was actually famous for his skills on the organ during his lifetime and was only actually really recognized for his composing skills during the 19th century when people for whatever reason came back around and decided they liked baroque music again which i don't know why anyone would decide that well you know if it's not baroque don't fix it Oh, you went there. People started to get into Baroque music again, which I don't understand because I'm not a huge Baroque fan myself. But he is now actually considered one of the best composers of all time. He was actually, during his lifetime, less famous than a lot of his family members. There are a lot of famous musicians with the last name Bach, and they were actually related. He came from a very musically inclined family, but he was by no means... They're, you know, number one. He was the Tito Jackson of the box. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't super famous. He was actually really well known for his skills to both play the organ, but also to repair it. Um, He kind of was the guy that knew the organ inside and out. So, you know, fulfilling life, clearly. Of an organ man. Yeah. Although he did have some interesting stuff go on during his life. Uh, For instance, he went to prison for a month. He served almost an entire month in jail because he was a brat when the Duke wouldn't meet him. So he got arrested for stubborn testimony and insistent resignation because he tried to meet with the Duke and the Duke said no. Then he threw a hissy fit and they put him in jail. Stubborn testimony? Yeah. And indignant resignation. Or no, insistent resignation. Same thing, (laughs) clearly. What's really interesting about Bach is that he is really well known for how technically complex his music is and how intelligent his pieces are, which I'm not sure how you judge a piece of music. Yeah, this music, this piece of music is smarter than that one. But apparently he was known for having very intelligent music, but he was actually able to make them incredibly fast. Most of his most famous works were composed within a week or two, which is really impressive. Something that I think is pretty interesting, and this is actually going to lead us into our next composer as well, is that Bach, along with the composer Handel, they were both blinded by the same ocular surgeon following a failed cataract surgery. Cavalier John Taylor was the surgeon, and he clearly wasn't very good at his job. Oh, no I was reading about it, and he actually, when he came into town, there was a lot of, like, fanfare, and, like, people gave him, like, roses because it was, like, 
I don't know, like magic that he could fix cataracts. Clearly I guess. not. Yeah, um, but he would basically do the surgery and be like, "You're cured," but then he would skip town before they took the bandages off and realize that they were actually just blind. Oh, God. It's actually thought by some that an infection following the surgery is what killed Bach. And while an infection did happen, it's more likely a stroke that did the man in. But like I said, that does lead us into our next composer, George Frederick Hendel. It's pronounced or it's spelled like Handel. And I have a really hard time saying Handel. Handel. Yeah, I don't I feel like you have to have a German accent or else it just sounds like I'm saying it wrong. Also a Baroque composer, uh, also German. He was born in 1685 and died in 1759, so he actually lived to the ripe age of 74. Hendel was almost killed by another composer, actually, uh, Johann Matheson. They fought, although no one really knows why they were fighting so much, I guess probably over who was a better composer, you know, basically they were pulling their dicks out measuring. Again, um, boys. Got mad. Matheson pulled out a sword and tried to hit Hendel in the chest with it. However, he hit a button on his shirt instead, and it saved Hendel's life. Yeah, but he lost a button. Do you know how expensive buttons were back then? Oh, God. And he had to find a woman to sew it on for him? God. Uh, his poor wife. Uh, Hendel was actually blind the last eight years of his life. Again, thanks to Cavalier John Taylor. Way to go, buddy. Good man. He also suffered a stroke, although his was in 1737, but he survived it. And he was involved in a coach crash in 1750, also survived that. So again, I don't know what it is with these composers and being unkillable. I'll accept one of them. But yeah, Mozart too. He was, he was easy to... Interestingly enough, most of his best works were composed in the later years of his life, like most composers, actually, after all of his near-death experiences. So I kind of almost think that maybe all of the almost dying worked as a sort of epiphany for him, and maybe that turned into like his inspiration. Who knows? So that's a crash course on Bach and Hendel for you. Sorry, I had a crash joke. You're talking about the he coach was crash. in a coach crash. That sounds so weird. I'm so used to whenever I hear crash. the word coach, I picture the one from Cinderella. I'm picturing the purse, so I'm just thinking <laughs> like a granny fight where they're smacking each other with the bags. The coach crash. Is that what you call it when you drop your coach bag? You were mad at me for the Baroque joke. That was pretty bad. You can totally cut that joke. I'm not cutting that joke. I'm cutting the two Baroque girls joke. (laughs) Because it was met with cricket silence. As are most of my jokes. (laughs) So a pirate walks in it. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think it's time we move on. So we wrapped up Hendel. Let's move on to Schoenberg. Schoenberg. Arnold Schoenberg. He was a Jewish-Austrian composer from the late 1800s um, all the way to the mid-1900s, about 1952. Hmm. So he's a lot more contemporary than the people that we've been talking about. I honestly don't know what to tell you about him in regards to his most famous works because they're all numbered and I need names, not numbers. Yeah. I'm I'm a little weird about that one. Yeah. Um, He had the biggest misfortune of being Jewish in Eastern Europe in the early 1900s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so his music was labeled as degenerate by the Nazi party. That's some degenerate classical music. Well, you know Hitler. Yeah. Um, you know Hitler. Yeah. That guy. So Schoenberg was hella superstitious and he suffered from triscidecophobia which is a fear of the number 13 and not triscuits even though (laughs) 
You have every reason to fear those sharp, tasteless excuses for crackers. Hey, they're delicious. No, they're weedy and shreddy and just f*** them. So good. So this may have been um, a contributing factor in his development of the 12-tone technique, which is a music thing that I can't really get into right now, but I will link to an explanation on the website. Basically, it revolutionized like the beat counting system within hmm. music, and it was just so he could avoid using 13s. 13. Yeah. We all know what the first one of the next set of 12 is, really, though. It's kind of like when hotels skip the 13th floor and go from 12 to 14. It's like you're not fooling anybody. People on 14, you know where you really are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not for nothing, though. He did die on Friday, July 13th, 1952. That, the anniversary of which was yesterday. Oh, yeah. To the date of us recording. Um, it'll be like a week and a day when you oh, guys okay. actually hear this. It was after... A day, according to his wife, he spent his entire day on July 13th sick and anxious because of the, the fact, day. The fact that it was the 13th. Yeah. And he died at, I believe it was 11.45 at night. And his sister recalls thinking, there's only 15 more minutes and the worst of it's going to be over. And then she got the call that he had died. Oh my gosh. That is kind of eerie that he did die on the 13th. It though. is. Um, he also got really, really nervous about birthdays that were multiples of 13. Oh, uh, yeah. If you think about it, if you do enough math, anything is in a 13. You know, if you add and subtract and divide and multiply enough, you can get a 13. Yeah, he didn't even consider, like, the numbers in his age adding up to 13. Like, he was more concerned with the multiples, and then someone pointed out the other thing to him, and that freaked him out. <laughs> so it was like, thanks, dude. Just add another layer to that. Yeah. He was, like, he was kind of a boring guy, aside from that. He did some painting. Oh, and by the way, he got out of Germany. Well, that's good. Before the whole Third Reich business um, kicked in, he was visiting somewhere else in Europe when that started to to really hit. And someone was like, dude, you probably shouldn't come back. So he came to America. Hmm. Well, at least we got to keep the weirdo. Yeah, he lived a pretty normal life. The whole 13 thing, though, like... That's interesting. And it actually... The fact that it changed the way that a lot of people count music. Like, he revolutionized music just to avoid... The number 13. I like that he changed up classical music in the mid-1900s. Like, it had been established for so long, and then he just kind of swoops in with, like, hey, check out this new thing. Yeah. The fact that you can do a, hey, check out this new thing in classical music is still kind of... We don't get enough of that. Yeah. We actually don't get enough classical music new stuff rolling in, period. Mm -hmm. I guess it's technically not classical. I think you could still consider it that. Like, there's a couple, like, well, they call it, like, neoclassical now. Okay. Uh, I know. Um, but there's actually a couple of bands that are really good. Um, if anyone wants recommendations, find me on Twitter. I'll, I'll shoot them to you. Yeah, I wouldn't kill you to tweet a little more. Yeah, I know. I'm bad. I never know what to say. I feel like no one wants to... Like, no one cares. Like, I just feel like, why should I... I don't know. Everybody cares what I have to say. <laughs> I think I just need to get a little bit bigger ego and just do it. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. So maybe I'll, I'll tweet some suggestions. If anyone's interested in neoclassical music. Maybe not that, but I am interested in Richard Wagner, or Dick Wagner. So if you're dyslexic, his name would be Dick Wanger, though? I mean, that's a possibility. I love it. How many jokes can we fit in one podcast? None! We use them all up. (laughs) Is there a limit? Let us know, guys, if you think there's a limit to how many jokes we can get away with before you guys stop listening, because we'll control ourselves. We use them all. (laughs) They're gone. It's not like a punch card where you make 10 jokes, you get the 11th free. (laughs) 
feel like I should have been warned about this before. I feel like now now that I know that, now the 10 jokes start. So Wagner, spelled Wagner, pronounced Wagner. He was German. Surprise, surprise. What did I tell you? Germans and Austrians. German composer from the mid to late 1800s. Again, Bates. Uh, he's the guy that wrote The Bridal March and Ride of the Valkyries. You know, for those of you who are fans of Apocalypse Now and or Weddings. There might be an overlap on that Venn diagram. I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> I personally prefer the overlap. Yeah. yeah. Apocalypse be... Now themed weddings. Yes. Yeah. Pinterest board for that. Oh. <laughs> I want all of the snacks on the tables to be served in upturned army helmets. Yes. So Wagner, the person that we're talking about and not planning my wedding. Mm-hmm. Spent 15 years in Switzerland to escape blowback from his involvement in the May Uprising in Dresden, which was a little bit like the French Revolution, uh, but with less beheading and general He was in support of an equal monarchist society. And he also had some Nazi-esque ideals, um, anti-Semitism for one. It's no surprise that some of his descendants supported the Nazi party, so like, way to be... Yeah. Um, Hitler also loved Wagner's music in what sounded to me like the same way Charles Manson was a fan of Helter Skelter, only like the Beatles weren't also. Yeah. That I know of. As far as we know, the Beatles never murdered anyone. Yeah. But it was kind of co-opted in that way where the Nazi party is like, this is our shit. And they took Wagner's music. and but it wasn't like Wagner was like, yeah, that's right, I'm your shit. It was kind of like a one-sided. Yeah, well, because Wagner was dead. Yeah. I kind of buried a lead here. There are some rumors that Wagner enjoyed a bit of cross-dressing. There are reports from one French dressmaker that he ordered a very specifically detailed, nice black satin number with a, and I quote, pretty hat. And it could have been for his wife, except his wife um, was a very obsessive journaler. She kept journals. Yeah. And there was no mention of her receiving these items in any of her journals. And she was so obsessive about writing, like, it would have been something she mentioned. Correct. Other dressmakers have also claimed that he placed orders with them. One of them even mentioning, and I quote again, a pair of pink drawers, the meaning of which is open for debate. I'm assuming drawers like undies. Pantaloons. Like frilly. <laughs> Some drawers. <laughs> <laughs> which is weird that that's like a more Southern thing now. Like your drawers, like pull up your drawer. Um, I, I believe they were not underpants, but like... Like bloomers. Mid, like the mid-pants, because... Back in the day, they wore a lot of layers, so there were, like, the underwear, and then there was the mid-range pant. And then the pant pant. And then there was the actual pant or the dress. Yeah, yeah like bloomers. Like, you'd put on a baby over their diaper. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Even out in public, he dressed kind of like 19th century prints on steroids. Like, a lot of ruffles, a lot of <laughs> satins. Um, My man. He was very flamboyant. I like it. Yeah, he was He was pretty much, like, the prince of that era. Yeah, and we don't mean prince like uh, royalty, like a king. No, I like mean like prince, prince. Purple Rain. Yeah, that kind of prince. Who is royalty, let's be honest. Wagner knew why doves cried. He did. His love of like really expensive, nice fabrics like satins and silks could have been attributed to a bacterial skin t- condition that he had. Ew. It played a lot better with nicer fabrics. I know, ew. Was he like a leper? Jeez. No, it was just like rashes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think ruffles were a known cure for the disease that he had. I wrote the name of the disease down. I can't pronounce that. Um, I guess it was. It would be C E R Y S A P E L E S. Erysipelas. 
Yeah, all right. Um, he did try to cure it with some very strict daily regimens that involved twice daily water enemas. So, you know, there's that. That's not something I needed to know. Twice in a row. It wasn't like a morning enema and an evening enema. Oh. It was just like successive. Like a double dose. Like really enema. trying to clear it out. Ugh. Why don't we close out Wagner with the rumor that he died wearing a pink dressing gown? Ta-da! Good for him. Good for him. That's Wagner for you. Yeah. With that. I'm not starting Haydn with me Singing. doing a Black Eyed Peas cover. Let's get some, some Haydn in here. Oh. <laughs> oh, copyright. Sorry, Will, I am. Let's talk about Haydn. Franz Joseph Haydn. Or I'm sure that's pronounced a little more Austrian-y. I, again, I'm not going to try. I almost said Australian there for a second. <laughs> I don't know how you would say that like an Australian either. I like I can feel the accent, but I, I'm not going to do um, the accent. I can't. I can't feel it. I did an Australian accent earlier in the series I think that's all we need. Moving on, Haydn was an Austrian composer in the late 1700s. Um, He tutored Mozart and Beethoven, so, you know, he's good. He's a good dude. Yeah. He's kind of like the grandfather of classical music a little bit, like from that area. Yeah. That era. Yeah. As you guys can tell, most of these classical composers are all from the same era like there's a lot of overlap between them and then there's like a big gap where there's not a whole ton before and after but there's like there's like there is like a classical era yeah and it was mostly like in what you would think of as the french revolution era like that's Mm -hmm. when people didn't have anything better to do than sit around and make music music. yeah a lot of harpsichord going on Mm -hmm. in those days good stuff yeah i love the harpsichord Same thing with Haydn as it was for Schoenberg. Like, I wish I could tell you exactly what composition he's famous for, but there's like a million of them, and they are also all numbered. He was very prolific. That was one of the things that he was known for. He wrote a lot. Yeah. Appearance-wise, Haydn was notably short and also had a big old tumor up his nose, (laughs) which caused it to be permanently deformed. Fantastic. I had some weird f***ing Google searches. You generally do. Yeah. (laughs) He sang at the Royal Austrian Court in his younger days and told uh, his biographer later on that he was inclined to sing well because then he would be invited to sing at aristocrats' parties where they had free food and drinks. Nice. Scared. I know. Yeah, he knew He knew who was up. Yeah. Um, after his voice changed, he was, and um, also this is unrelated to his voice changing, but he was caught cutting off the pigtail of one of the members of the court as a oh. joke. Uh, he was dismissed and turned to freelance musicianing. Well, he kind of deserved it. That's a d- move honestly if he had been like a hundred years later he could have moved to seattle and fit right in yeah yeah probably <laughs> especially since later on he teamed up with mozart and two other composers to form a super group string quartet Must which have been good oh i assume it was like the damn yankees of the romantic period yeah probably uh Haydn probably would have been the ted nugent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the two other composers by the way were von hall and uh brace yourselves Baron Karl Ditters von Dittersdorf, which was not his given name. He changed it to that. <laughs> he was born August Karl Ditters, um, but this isn't about him. <laughs> Although it should be, because that's that's amazing. 
It's a good man right there. Dittersdorf. Back to Haydn. He was called Papa Haydn, both as a term of endearment and as an insult. Um, some critics found his music to be good but superficial. Again, how do you tell if classical music is like deep and intelligent or not? Yeah, that's that's what I want to know. Yeah. Um, if you're in Portland and like desserts, by the way, Papa Haydn's is a really great place for that. Please sponsor us. Yeah, Papa Haydn's, you can cater our recording sessions. Just to, you know, put that out there for you guys. <laughs> I would love to have recording days catered. Eventually, Haydn died. That's sad. Not nearly as sad as the fact that two complete heads stole his head so that they could test a popular theory that cranial structure had something to do with mental prowess. Um, and they did indeed find that the bump of music was present on his skull. Uh, they tried the same thing. Not the same guys, but some people tried the same thing with Beethoven. Do you remember that scene in Django Unchained where Leo DiCaprio was going on about how the skull of the slave has marks and that men's are meant that they were supposed to be servants. Yeah. That theory was kind of like that, only less terrifying, and no one smashed Haydn's skull. Huh. Uh, it did, however, change hands a lot, and it didn't end up back with his body until 1954, when it was placed in a specially made tomb to kind of honor him. Huh. Yeah. Um, Haydn was really well-loved, except by the critics who thought that his music was shallow, but... But again, like, oh, <sighs> that piano playing is so self-centered. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, if it sounds good, it's good. Just shut up. Exactly. We are, we've gotten to the headliner. We have. This is probably the composer that you all know best. Um, he's also the reason we're doing this episode, if I remember correctly. It, he was the inspiration. Definitely a weird enough dude. Oh, man. Um, this is the part where if you have young children, you might want to ask them to leave the room. Exactly. Um, this is going to get gross and... I don't even know that we can actually bleep all of it because I think you lose something in the bleeping. So I think from here out, bleeping be damned. Yeah. Um, well, I forget to bleep half the stuff anyways. Yeah. So as you've noticed, the bleeping is pretty much a joke anyway. Yeah. It's it's an editing thing, but we're going to work on more consistent censoring. Yeah. Yeah. But See, for now, we're just going to go cuss at We'll just so. watch this. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are talking about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Um, and I know the fact that we are gonna get real vulgar in relation to Mozart seems a little shocking, but bear with us. So he was born in 1756 and died in 1791 at the age of 35. So he died really, really young, but he got a young start. So I guess, you know, you win some, you lose some. Live hard, die young. Something like Bad that. composers do it, but I don't know yeah, the lyrics to that song. Something like that. <laughs> So his actual name was not necessarily Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. His actual full baptized name, which I'm going to try to pronounce and butcher because it is insane, was Johannes Chrysostomus Wolfgangus Theophilus Mozart. That's pretty good. So Yeah, I think so. So Wolfgang was not even his first name. Amadeus was not even a part of his baptized name. So I don't really know what no that name was. No one called him Wolfie. No, they should have. Born to Leopold and Anna Maria Mozart. He was the youngest of seven kids, five of whom died in infancy. So really, he was kind of the youngest of two, two surviving ones. Leopold, his father, was actually a minor composer and a very successful music teacher. Um, he actually wrote a book uh, on music that he, that people actually still use to this day or still study. 
Wolfgang's sister, Maria Anna, which, as you remember, his mother's name was Anna Maria, so they got real original there. But I guess that's their sixth kid. They're kind of, like, done trying. Well, I mean, they wasted it all on Mozart. Mozart. Holy crap. Right? It's insane. It takes, like, a whole line when it's typed out. Anyway, her name was Maria Anna, although she was nicknamed Nanerl. Um, Nanerl? I'm not sure how you say it. I looked it up, and it said that you put the emphasis on the first syllable, which would make it... Nanerl. Nanerl. Or Nanerl. Nanerl. No, because I would put the emphasis on the middle. Is it, like, supposed to be, like, a pet name for Anna? I don't know. Nanerl. I I honestly don't know. But that's what they called her, was Nanerl. She began to learn to play the piano when she was seven. Uh, Wolfgang was three at the time, and he would watch and actually learn alongside her, although... Uh, their dad was not actually attempting to teach Mozart. He was just watching and learning like by ear, basically. Those damn child prodigies. Man. He was very good, and so his dad actually did end up teaching him to play, and he picked it up really fast and actually really quickly surpassed his father's <laughs> ability to teach, even though he was a professional music teacher. So the dad, the sister, and Mozart started traveling around. I guess mother be damned, she didn't go with. They traveled around Europe and performed as child prodigies all over the place and were actually really famous for it. Mozart was three when he started. Most of his performing was around the age of four and five, all that. Like, you know, most kids. Yeah. So, yeah, most kids go around and perform across the country at the age of four. That's pretty I mean, I know I did my tour of duty. (laughs) He was a very small man with a delicate high voice I hear that he had a weird laugh. There are two unconfirmed sources, so this is speculation. Um, One person described it as being infectious, giddy. The other one described it as, um, what was it, glass on metal? Yeah, so I think it's just uh, how much you liked him, (laughs) how you thought his voice. But uh, anyway, small man, delicate, high voice. You can probably imagine the laugh. He was described as being almost a little bit feminine. He also had really pocked skin from scars that arose out of childhood smallpox all over his face. So he had really like pitted skin. Yeah, that was pretty common. I think Haydn also had that. Like smallpox just ruined everyone's complexion in that time period. Yeah. Um, Same thing with Beethoven. He had really bad skin and stuff. So Um, bad skin all around, but that's not all that special. <laughs> what is special is that Mozart wrote his very first symphony at the age of eight, and it was most likely dictated by his dad, but Mozart was the, the writer. My f- One of my favorite fun facts about him, besides, you know, our... Uh, what we're getting to? What we're getting to, what we're building to, um, is that he went to the Sistine Chapel twice and heard the song by Gregor- Gregorio Allegri. It's called Miseria. I don't know how you'd say no, that No, that's French. actually right. Okay. He re- so he only heard the song twice, and then he was able to write it down from memory and actually produce the first ever unauthorized copy of this closely guarded Vatican secret song. Music pirate. Yeah, so he was, you know, good guy. He fell in love with a woman named Aloysia? Aloysia? Aloysia. Aloysia? Aloysia Weber, although it was unrequited. Didn't um, she marry some other dude? She did. Uh, they met, and then he left for a while and came back, and she actually pretended that she didn't know him. Bitch. Exactly. So he married her little sister. Constance. Oh, even bigger bitch. Yeah, burn. <laughs> Love it. In Mozart's final year, he was very productive. He was hard at work on his requiem. I feel like I said that weird. Requiem. Requiem. Yeah, yeah I, I feel right. like I feel like there's like, like I'm missing something in there. But unfortunately, he was never able to finish it on November twentieth, nineteen 
1791, not 1971. Wow. 1791, Mozart fell ill, and it is highly debated as to what he suffered from, um, but he had symptoms including fever, swelling, and vomiting. Doctors recently have actually fixed a diagnosis of strep that led to eventual kidney failure, although there have in the past been over 118 different diseases affixed to Mozart's death, though it is officially listed as advanced miliary disease. What so, is that? A disease that makes your skin look like it's covered in like like millet, which is like, I think it's like a food. Oh, gross. Sort. Yeah. It's a grain. Yeah, it's a grain. So, the, But they called it miliary disease because it's what it looks like. It looked like Ew. that grain. Ew. Um, so yeah, but that's not actually what killed him. They think that it was just like strep and that spread to his kidneys. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, this is it. This is it, guys. Mozart was really into scatological humor. Poop jokes. Poop jokes. It is shown in multiple letters to both his family and more so to his wife, Constance. And he also wrote a series of canons with scatological and other strange lyrics that he would sing with his friends. So I've got some quotes here, and I'm going to read them. God, help us all. And this is where it gets gross. So if you're not into this, A lot of people are not into this. (laughs) Yeah. There is an example. There's a letter to Mozart's cousin from Mozart, and it shows an example of his use of scatology. (laughs) This was originally in German, and in German, this little verse rhymes, but the English translation is, well, I wish you good night, but first, shit in your bed and make it burst. Sleep soundly, my love. (laughs) Into your mouth, you'll shove. So it actually still kind of rhymes a little bit. Um, (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Um, So good stuff. Also, there is a canon. uh, it's It's in German. It's Leck mich I'm Arsch, which literally translates to lick me in the ass. But that is actually a really common German phrase, and it equates to what we would say as, like, kiss my ass. But just in German, you say lick my ass, basically. Which sounds so much grosser. No, it... There's that scene in Spinal Tap where he's playing that really, really pretty song, and then someone asks what it was called, and he's like, lick my love pump. Yeah, yeah, basically. I just, those are words that I just said. You did. Uh, Well, have you seen what I have to read through? Yeah, but I said that of my own volition. (laughs) Uh, So there is a part of the canon that includes the lyrics. Uh, I'm not going to read them in German because, again, not good at German. But the translation is, uh, lick me in the ass quickly, quickly. So we're in a hurry. We're we're in a time crunch. (laughs) Hurry, lick it. So he goes on, and it's not just these songs that he wrote, but also um, I'm going to read a part of a letter that he wrote to one of his cousins. I have received, reprieved your highly esteemed writing biting, and I have noted, doted, thy my uncle Garfunkel, my aunt Slant, and you two are well mel. We too, thank God, are in good fettle kettle. You write further. Indeed, you let it all out. You expose yourself. You let yourself be heard. You give notice. You declare yourself. You indicate to me. You bring me the news. You announce unto me. You state in broad daylight. You demand. You desire. You wish. You want. You like. You command that I, too, should, could send you my portrait. A bien. I shall mail fail it for sure. We, by the love of my skin, I shit on your nose so it runs down your chin. As you can see, someone needed to take away his thesaurus. That is horrifying. Isn't it? I just love the beginning, how it starts out with, I didn't like, read this before we started recording. Isn't it good? That's so good. 
Uh, noted, good, doted, Uncle Garfunkel. Good is a word. Yeah, that it's exists. really funny up until then, and then he gets you know a little toothosaurus happy, and then just shits on chins. So, I mean, that's how you sign off a good letter. Yeah, we are going to actually sign off with a final quote, and this is from a letter to his wife. But this actually is a little bit redeeming, so you're going to hear this more in of a his... book about some of the greatest love letters. Yeah, so I have a book. Uh, it's the love. It's called Love Letters of Great Men. Um, we'll put a link to it on the website. It's really amazing. Mozart's letters are in it. This is one of them. Uh, so I'm going to read a quote. I am delighted that you have a good appetite, but whoever gorges a lot must also shit a lot. No, walk a lot, I mean. But I should not like for you to take long walks without me. I entreat you to follow my advice exactly, for it comes from my heart. Adieu, my love, my only one. Do catch them in the air, those 2,999 and a half little kisses from me, which are flying about, waiting for someone to snap them up. It's a very specific number. It is, but I think it's kind of cute. It's so cute. He kind of redeems himself with it. Um, he was really sweet, but he liked poop. It, it kind of sounds like a teenage boy. Which it is. Pretty I mean, much, if you think about it. I mean, he died at 35. He never really got past teenage boyhood very much. No, and plus when you're a child prodigy, I think it kind of stunts your mental development a little, a little, a little bit. bit yeah um so i think now with all of that now is a good time to do a little bit of a shout out we had someone request one and i figure what better time to do it than after shit talk literally yeah um ian this is your shout out be careful what you wish for everyone's going to associate you with uh, mozart and shit yep all right so if you want to continue the conversation um i might be hosting a q a on twitter next week this is Ryan's first time hearing about it. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't get news of this. Yeah, but sorry. I'm done with it. Sorry. Maybe I'll do one the week after during like a, or during our next off week. I'll yeah. do the next one. So ask us any questions. Our Twitter handle is at Afternoonified. You can also find us on Instagram at Afternoonified. Um, we are on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Get Afternoonified. And we also have a website where you can get a hold of us through email or check out previous episodes or further notes on the episode you just listened to, and that is getafternoon5.com. And you can also make donations. We love those. We do like those. Uh, we will mail you a postcard with our faces on it if you make a donation. Please do. Yeah. So that is all we have for you this week. We are truly sorry. We are. Um, and now I think is a good time to ask for ratings and reviews. Oh, yeah. Um, we are on iTunes, in the iTunes store. We are also on Google Play. Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you are, we are. Pretty much. We are taking over your life. <laughs> As I'm sure you all appreciate. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. bye. <laughs>